time for postseason baseball. Florida State now moving into the ACC tournament. Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you for Sunday Golds. And Brett, uh, the regular season has come to a close. The Knowles finished the year 29 and 21-16 in the ACC. Uh, St. loses two out of three on the road to NC State in, in a really hard-fought series. Uh, the Knowles did uh, have a, a really nice Sunday when they came back, and they won 15-11 to beat the Wolfpack and salvage that Sunday game. But FSU finishes fifth in the ACC after uh, everything kind of came together. Brett, um, what were your overall thoughts on the regular season for the Seminoles? Yeah, I thought it was a success, successful regular season. Um, I mean, you win eight of 12 ACC series. You win both your non-conference series. I mean, you only come away with one sweep. But, you know, when you play that many games in the ACC and, and you're four games over 500, and, um, you know, I just think it's, it was a grind of a season. I think it's it's probably prepared Florida State well for what's to come for them in the postseason. I, I don't think there's many teams that have played a harder schedule than Florida State with all the games they played in the ACC. Um, so I think this team's prepared for the postseason coming off of that regular season schedule. And, you know, I think we're pretty excited to see what happens. Without a doubt, Florida State finishes the regular season with a team ERA of 3-3-8. Congratulations to Parker Messick for uh, the ACC Pitcher of the Year and the ACC Freshman of the Year. Um, congratulations, Matt Mellon, ACC Player of the Year. Uh, also, congratulations to uh, Robbie Martin and Bryce Hubbard as well for being on third team All-ACC. Uh, Brett, you and I were chatting earlier this weekend, uh, really late Sunday night, and just kind of try to project what the rest of the ACC media would do voting for uh, all ACC and pitcher of the year. And it was really nice to see Parker and Matt kind of get the recognition that they deserve. I know we were kind of worried Parker might potentially lose that uh, ACC pitcher of the year honor to Andrew Abbott from Virginia, who had really pitched well to, to kind of end the season. Um, but Parker, definitely the best starting pitcher in the ACC all year. You can make the argument for Matt Nelson uh, and a strong one. I'm sure other ACC schools that were upset that their guy didn't get ACC player of the year, but really can't argue with uh, a near 340 and 22 home runs. So uh, just what were your thoughts on seeing all those names um, kind of just get the honors and the recognition that they deserve? Yeah, I thought they both were the right winners. Um, honestly, didn't expect either of them to win. I thought they should win, but um, I thought Abbott might get the pitcher of the year just because of the last couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I thought Butler might get it out of NC State for player of the year. But, um, you know, both those guys, I think for the length of a season were the right call. Um, you know, Nelly, I mean, highest OPS in, in the league and he's a stud behind the plate too. I mean, it's completely deserved, does a lot of little things for Florida State as well. And, um, you know, like Meet said before, it's just a winner. Um, you know, Parker, obviously the last two starts aren't normal Parker, but he had 11 straight starts at one point where he gave up less than uh, two earned runs or less and went at least five innings. And it's just the, you know, I mean, he's as consistent as it gets. He's a bulldog in the mound. Nobody really wants to face him. I can tell you it's probably the least, um, you know, it's probably the, the starter in the league that nobody wants to face uh, just because of his competitiveness and um, everything he brings to the mound every day. So both those guys definitely deserved it. Um, you know, really good to see both of those, both of them come away with it. You know, both good dudes as well. Um, home run about to leave the park here, but uh, I thought, you know, Logan Lacey and Elijah Cabell might've got snubbed from those all ACC teams, but 
since you know Messick and Cabell got, I mean Messick and um, Nelson got those awards, we'll let it slide for now. Yeah, and uh, folks, just want to let you guys know that it is actually at Truist Field right now. I think he's sitting in one of those suites. I don't know how you manage that one there uh, to find a way into one of those expensive suites, but uh, Brett will be there all week covering for for Tomahawk Nation, the the website that he writes for, and um, he's doing a great job. I know he went to practice earlier uh, today, was able to see the guys. Just what's the mood uh, from this Florida State baseball team moving into the postseason? Yeah, last night they had that um, putt-putt tournament, and I think they were feeling good coming off of that. Uh, I know Robbie Martin made that winning putt there at the end, and um, you know, not the prettiest stroke, but gets the job done. And um, yeah, I think they're just feeling good about themselves right now and, you know, having fun with a couple of days off here in North Carolina. I haven't been in Tallahassee in a little bit now, but I think they're ready to go. I think they're excited to, you know, get Miami in their pool and get a rivalry game there. And then, you know, also play Duke who you haven't played all year. So you'll get to see every team in the ACC this year, which is, you know, I think that's pretty cool. And I think that's pretty fun for them. Um, yeah, just a light day at practice out um, at Charlotte today. So um, I think they're ready to go tomorrow morning. And uh, folks, so on this podcast, we'll talk about um, the NC State series just a little bit. Uh, honestly, folks, look, uh, th- that series isn't going to really matter much for Florida State in terms of where they're going to be positioned uh, in a regional. You know, 99% chance Florida State is a two or a three uh, somewhere. Um, and I guess the only way they could even be considered for a one seed is if they had won the ACC tournament. And even then, I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't. I think that's like a long shot to the moon that FSU um, gets a one seed in, in any capacity in someone else's regional. So um, FSU is pretty set for the postseason. Like we already know um, what seed they're going to be. You can expect them to play early game on someone else's ballpark. And at this point now, um, you're trying to piece things together. So, Brett, I guess I'll ask you before we talk about NC State, and uh, we are doing this via Zoom, so we want to thank Zoom for, for making this possible um, from long distance. Um, how does Florida State approach this ACC tournament? I know you got Bryce Hubbard, and I know you got Parker Messick announcing the pitch on uh, Wednesday and on Friday. But again, with really nothing other than a trophy to play for, uh, what do you, is the, uh, the play here? Yeah, I think with when you got your guys lined up the way they do, and um, you know, if Florida State hadn't hadn't played Wednesday, Friday, if they had more of a Tuesday, Wednesday or Tuesday, Thursday, I think they wouldn't, you know, be going as hard for this title as they could. But the way they lined up for it, and um, the fact that they're still going to have their guys on normal rest, I think they're going to go for it. And I think um, you know that fourth starter, I think, will just be you know, some, somewhat of a game time decision if it comes to it in a championship game. But, um, you know, everybody's struggles to find pitchers in that championship game. So, I mean, I think Florida State won that championship a couple of years ago, like 11 to eight or something. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, Meat likes to win. Meat does not like to lose. And I think they're here to win. And I think they're here to throw their best guys and, and see what they have and really test themselves for that regional setting, I think. Yeah, and, I, and don't get me wrong, uh, those of you listening, I, I'm not saying FSU you shouldn't be going for it. You played a game to win. Uh, I think winning an ACC tournament title um, would be a really nice FU, so to speak, to uh, the NCAA committee um, for kind of snubbing FSU of a chance to even play uh, to host a regional. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, in, in years past, Brett, this time of year was so much fun across college baseball, right? Like in Hoover – the SEC tournament's going on. 
Um, the 12 always has a fun tournament going on. Heck, the 80 always has a really fun tournament going on. People are positioning for regional spots because they still matter. And you can really do a lot for yourself in that conference tournament. But this year, obviously, things are different. They've announced um, only the, the 20 teams who were named um, really can kind of keep jockeying for position. Um, so Florida State's got a got an interesting, you know, uh, turn on their hands. And, and we'll see how FSU is able to play. By the way, uh, how is that skyline in Charlotte, Brett? I, I don't think it gets better than the ACC tournament right here. I mean, you know, there's Hoover and Hoover's classic for SEC, but this is – this is as good as it gets right here. I mean, this is as nice of a ballpark as you can find, I think. And, um, you know, it's definitely a nice view right now. Um, besides looking at your face, it's it past my computer is a much better view. <laughs> well, they pay me to, to speak. So, uh, anyway, look, uh, we're on Apple Pods. We're on uh, Google Pods and on Spotify. Uh, so you can listen anywhere. Make sure to download us if, if you like this podcast. You can subscribe. And those five stars as well. All right. So uh, the Knowles and the Blue Devils will play at 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Florida State will then play Miami on Friday at 3 o'clock. Uh, but before we preview those two matchups uh, with a team that's brought and a team that you've already seen this year, um, let's, uh, Brett, let's talk a little bit about the final weekend um, of the year because it was a red-hot NC State team. Uh, they finished the year 28 and 15, 19 and 14 in the AC. They actually jumped Florida State to be one of these fine, you know, these uh, top four ho- uh, four seeds in the ACC tournament, um, and having that tiebreak advantage. Um, they really did live up to the hype. I thought, you know, NC State is a really good baseball team with a lineup that is incredible. I know you and I were in awe. Um, at a couple of the at-bats that they put together, especially Johnny Butler, who had eight hits on the weekend. And I think he finished the year hitting north of 400. So um, this Wolfpack team could, could really swing it. Yeah, I mean, it was the best lineup Florida State faced this year. It's got to be one of the very best lineups in the country. Um, it was just kind of jaw-dropping some of the, some of the at-bats those guys were putting together against Florida State pitchers. I mean, top three in the order – um, you know, two, three really were just unstoppable. I mean, McDonough and, and Butler and, and Butler put the bat on everything. And uh, both those guys are fast. Both those guys have power. You know, Terrell Tatum had a ton of speed and power as well. Um, you know, Tresh showed you his power on Friday. Um, those guys have everything you could ask for in a lineup one through nine. I mean, they've got guys that put ball in, ball in play. They've got guys that put ball over the fence. They've got guys that steal bases. Um, I don't think there's a hard – there's there's not many teams that are harder to beat right now um, in a three-game set than NC State. Uh, but, you know, you did see their weakness on, on Sunday where they don't they just don't have many arms that they can use. And, um, you know, they're going to have to power their way to regional wins. But um, playing those guys at their home park this weekend, um, kind of a buzz off Florida State's pitching staff, I thought. I don't think it's a long-term worry for Florida State's pitching staff. And I didn't think they threw the ball that, that poorly on the first two days. I actually thought they threw the ball pretty well. Um, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, no doubt. I actually thought too, Brett, that all three of the starters um, showed you something. Cruz uh, continuing to, to pitch well. He, he still racked up some strikeouts. Um, and it feels like the last two starts for Parker have been like that one, that one inning where it just feels like if he gets out of this, his line is going to look pretty good for six innings. But then it's like, oh, the back-to-back home home runs against NC State um, in, in the most recent game. Um, Bryce Hubbard was 
was really impressive. If you think the lineup that he went up against uh, for five innings, yeah, he gave up some home runs. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really high on the way Bryce is pitching right now. Uh, he moved his way, I think, into the all ACC discussion um, late in the season with the way he pitched. Actually, thought Connor Grady might have had NC State the most fooled, it seemed like, um, at times. So uh, the Knowles, I thought, you know, especially for the first two games, to hold that NC State lineup that I think put up 20 not that long ago on somebody. Um, it, it was really impressive. And so, um, you know, I, I think other things that popped out to me too was the Noel showed some resiliency uh, really throughout the weekend, especially Friday. You get the grand slam from Logan Lacey in a game that seemed over pretty much. Uh, NC State was in complete control. And uh, the guy that you've been calling the glue guy all season long comes through and um, I thought FSU showed a tremendous amount of fight, not just Friday and Saturday, but but also Sunday. Yeah, and that fight starts with Lacey and Nelson, two, three. I mean, those guys both, um, you know, all season long, um, Meets called those guys just winners, and um, they play the game right, play the game hard, and make winning plays. And all weekend long, Lacey was coming up with clutch hit after clutch hit. Um, everything was dropping for him. Uh, you know, Nelly finally got back in the home run column on Saturday. Um, good to see him start to lift the ball a little bit more. He had a lot of hard contact the last few weeks, but, um, you know, hadn't been able to get the ball up in the air since, you know, the last time you heard his thumb at Georgia Tech, I thought. Um, so it was really good to see him get back in that home run column. And, um, you know, I've, I just thought offensively they couldn't find that, you know, besides the grand slam, they couldn't find that timely hit the first two games. Um, you know, couldn't really put much more pressure on, on them on, on Thursday besides the, grand slam and um, Friday there really wasn't much going until the very end of the game. So, um, you know, overall, I just thought it was, it was, you know, sort of a tough weekend to watch at times. And that Saturday game aged me about 12 years. And uh, it was just, that was, that was one of the more wild games I've ever seen in my entire life. It really was. Uh, The Friday game hurt just because of the way you got off on. Uh, Luca Tresh, I mean, getting hat tip. I mean, he he pitches and and, and win the game on Friday. Saturday, the Knowles held a lead. Uh, I think what was it, three to two at one point, and just couldn't hold on um, and, and really kind of make that final push. Even then, though, in the ninth, Jackson Green hits you a home run, and you get the tying run to the plate. So, like, at no point this weekend has you outclassed. And then I thought. Sunday, with the way the series had gone, right? You've lost twice. Um, you're not really playing for uh, a regional host anymore. And so getting swept probably isn't, you know, a, a death sentence by any means. Would have been embarrassing. Um, but you find yourself in a battle on Sunday against the state team that is clearly not going away. I mean, they're there to play. Um, and, and the FSU bats really woke up, right? I mean, you just got to give them credit on Sunday. I thought... They came through when they had to come through. Nelly did it. Elijah did it. Uh, Logan Lacey did it. And the bottom of the order did it. Um, and we're going to talk about Jackson Green here in a minute because he deserves it. Um, but uh, I thought the fight that they showed on Sunday um, really told me that this team is ready for the postseason. Yeah, and I mean, I just, it's kind of been that way all year where they've thought back in a lot of games. Some games they haven't finished off, but there's not many games that this team is out of for, for a full nine innings and. Um, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the depth and the strength of the pitching staff. But a lot of that is the, the, you know, the resiliency, like you said, of the lineup. And I think it was the, that was the fourth game this year that they had 
that they won after trailing after seven innings. Um, you know, this team's never really out of it. And, um, you know, offense always isn't pretty, but, you know, when you have that home run, you have that quick strike, you're like, like, you know, you're a bloop and a blast away always from being back in the game. And, um, you know, you're a couple walks and a blast away from being back in the game. And that's what this lineup does well. And um, I think that this power, the power of this team is really going to start to play even more and more. Um, you know, I think Robbie's starting to get his swing back and you know, get his swing back. I think Nelly's starting to get that power swing back. Obviously, Elijah's always going to be that threat. You know, Jackson's starting to show you some more pop. Nanders had a couple of foul balls, went 400 plus feet um, up and down. I think Dylan Simmons at some point here is going to get his first career home run as well. So, you know, one through nine, I just think there's a lot of power potential. And I think it's going to continue to grow as we go here into postseason play. I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. And again, you know, Florida State doesn't give up double digits in the run column very often. I think it's happened like three or four times a season uh, total. I can think of like, who was it? Wake did it once. Louisville did it once. I think Georgia Tech might have done it once. It, it was like the late bullpen meltdown that FSU had to kind of hold them off. Um, right? That's it, right? Like there's three or four. And so for Florida State to, to be having to need the slugfest, it felt like an old school college baseball game back from like 2006 with the old bats. Um, home runs were everywhere. And give the Knowles credit. I, I am really excited about this line of potential. It is starting to come around in a way that, Brett, I think you've been alluding to throughout these the, the season on, on multiple podcasts is that the final product, when they figure out what they want to do, could be more than serviceable um, with the pitching that they have. And I think Dylan Simmons might be one of those answers. But Jackson Green is hitting a top-of-the-order guy right now, like straight up, um, especially against NC State. That's the best I've ever seen him look in his career. His average is now 187, which, again, folks, is not anything we're going to brag about. But when it was at 120 not that long ago, um, man, he, he had a great weekend at NC State. I think he had five base hits a couple of home runs and Brett, if you get that from him, if you get that from Simmons, if you get whatever you can out of Nander, um, you know, a big hits here and there, man, dude, like this, this is, this lineup could be special. I, th I think it, it could go into a regional and knock somebody. Yeah, for sure. And sweet Caroline's playing in the background. I don't know if you can hear it, but um, yeah, I mean, Jackson green is, is really seeing the ball well right now. And that, um, stance change has really helped him but you know my thing all year was with Jackson was you know even when he's not you know producing the hits not producing these extra base hits you know he was always giving you good at bats and still getting on base and on base percentage was still over 300 um so it kind of felt like at some point he's gonna hit I mean um you know maybe not 300 or whatever but he's gonna put together some good at bats for you um and you know he's a good double lead off guy for you I know we've talked a little bit off off of here that um, about him moving up in the lineup. But I think where you have him right now is, is the ideal position. And when you get like what you got on him on Saturday, it, you're going to be a really tough lineup to get out one through nine and, um, you know, set career highs in basically every single offensive stat statistic category on Saturday, I think had a career high in hits, had a career high in RBIs, had a career high in runs, um, just a really good day overall. And it was second day, straight day in a homer and both of them were, pretty much no doubters I thought and you know he's definitely shown that there's pop in that bat for sure and um yeah I just think they're starting to figure out what the answers are at certain spots and um 
you know, we have to always always remember, I mean, Reese Albert is, is not, I mean, he's not there this year basically for you. And coming into the year, you thought that was a surefire thing. Yeah, I mean, coming into the year, you thought Simmons was definitely the answer at DH and he struggled early. So, um, you know, they're starting to figure out center field with Nico and, you know, might platoon there some bit with Isaiah and, you know, Dylan's starting to find his swing again. So I think you're starting to see the best version of the one through nine that's possible right now. And um, for it to come now, is, is it's a good timing thing, I think. Completely agree. And that's that's something I think in postseason ball we're going to have to keep an eye on. Um, the fielding, I thought, too, other than one game, I thought the Knowles fielded the ball pretty well uh, in Raleigh. Um, the defense is, is actually starting to give you um, at least some confidence that it's going to hold its end of the bargain and for the pitching to kind of do what it does and for you to have a chance with the bats. Um, I think you had two games out of the three with zero errors. Yeah, but I, in the last game really made up for the first two, but um, that Saturday game was just, I mean, that game was as wacky as it gets. And I mean, at times I had no idea what was going on. I, I didn't know if it was baseball or football. Um, texted you a couple of times. I feel like I'm, my article is just going to explode. Um, but yeah, I mean, feeling wise, I think you're pretty confident. Um, there's definitely still some holes there. You're definitely still a little uneven when, when the ball's hitting Anders' way just because, you know, ever since his oblique injury, he's kind of been up and down defensively. Um, you know, it, it's more so the routine play and not the spectacular play that Nander needs to make. And I think if you can get Nander consistently making routine plays right now, um, you definitely feel really comfortable about about your infield defense. Um you know, two of your errors come from Vince Smith when he comes in for Lacey at third base. And um, I think potentially Vince is going to be a good defender, but, uh, you know, Vince really isn't natural at third base. He's a shortstop. He's a second baseman at those positions. He's much better. Um, but, you know, I think Lacey will be there for the entirety of the postseason, and you feel confident about that. You like Nelly behind the plate. Um, you know, Robbie's giving you good defense right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're pretty confident. There's definitely still those worries there, though. Um, but if they make those routine plays, they'll, they'll be fine, I think. Also, to see, you mentioned Robbie Martin um, start to kind of get reward for, for some decent contact, right? I, I, he had been really struggling, um, and especially, like, I think it was, what, the last two games, I want to say. Uh, he really started to find something for him. Um, the home run, I think, will will help him a lot, getting that great center and and getting a good swing that, that that's rewarded. Um, anything else that you want to touch on from the NC State series? Um, I mean, Jack Anderson got hit in the hand. He's supposed to, he's going to be fine. Um, Clayton Pitkowski that last game was very good. I thought. I thought. I think Clayton's going to be a major key to this postseason run. Um, you know, he's been good his whole career. He's been good this whole season. Um, you know, had that little injury scare, but outside of that, I mean, you're never nervous with with Clayton on the mound. I don't think and um, you kind of always know what you're going to get. And uh, just, I think you have a real comfort there and you can use him at any part of the game. So I think Clayton is his leadership and his role in the bullpen is, is going to be um, really massive for the postseason run. Yeah. And I also do want to shout out Hunter Purdue um, because I know he gave up the, the game winning home run to, to trash on Friday night, but he came up huge with some nasty, nasty stuff multiple times against NC state leading up to that. Um, when the game was tied at four, four, 
Um, what do you see for him, Brett, you know, as you move into the postseason? Because it seems like Purdue really kind of is, I mean, he's your most talented arm out of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, in recent weeks, he's been up to 100. And, um, you know, I really like Purdue in that back end of the bullpen and, you know, giving you multiple innings. You know, I know a lot of people didn't like that he was out there for a third inning against NC State. But, um, you know, FSU likes to go with the hot hand. He was the hot hand. They weren't putting good swings on him. Um, you know, it's just Tress running into a ball. It's 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 Butler being Butler with the leadoff double. Um, yeah, I mean, Purdue is definitely the guy out there that, has the most dangerous stuff, uh, you know, the most, the thing, he's probably the pitcher that, you know, no hitter wants to face. Uh, you don't want to see a hundred coming at you. You don't want to see two breaking balls coming at you off of that. So yeah, Hunter's going to be in there. Hunter's going to be a, a big key as well. And, you know, along with Jack, along with, um, you know, Jonah Davis, all those guys, uh, you know, but you know, like you, like you said, Purdue is the stuff is as good as it gets as good as anyone in the country has an out of the bullpen. Yeah. So two out of three for NC State. Florida State's the seed in the ACC tournament for uh, Mike Martin Jr.'s club. And um, Meat was kind enough to join Brett to chat about moving into the postseason or the interview. Now we have on Mike Martin Jr., um, our second reoccurring guest on Sunday Gold's podcast. I guess just first off, Coach, how's the last few days been going with um, you know, some time off and being up in North Carolina this whole time and, you know, had that putt-putt tourney last night, I guess. How, how's that all going for you guys? Yeah, everything's been going pretty smooth. Uh, we needed a few days after that uh, wild one on Saturday at NC State. Um, you know, it was a hard-fought weekend, and uh, it was good to get a couple of days to let the bodies recover. And, uh, you know, we've been in a good routine. We've been practicing every day. Uh, the weather's the way we like it. It's nice and hot up here, so. It's uh, everything's good. Yeah, going back to last weekend, I guess, has there been a lineup you guys have faced all year that, that's been tougher to get out? And do you feel like there's a harder team in the country to beat than NC State right now? I think they've won their last six or seven ACC series. Oh, they're, yeah, they're hot as can be. And, and it's hard to, you know, maneuver through that lineup because they can do a lot of, you know, different things. They're all athletic. There was only one guy in the lineup that couldn't run and that was the catcher. And, um, you know, we just we it was a it was a tough one. You're right. That lineup is legit and you know, they don't have the depth on the mound, but they've got their front line guys that are, you know, as good as anybody. And uh, you know, don't be surprised to see them in Omaha. The the way the schedule worked out this year with, you know, that being, you know, your thirty sixth game that Saturday in the ACC, just did you like it? Do you feel like it's going to prepare you well for the postseason and all the tough games you'll have there? Or is it something that you'd like to see go back down again? Well, we all want to go back to the 10 weekends and get our out of conference so that we don't run into this problem that we're running into now. And that's the RPI. If you don't get cross pollination playing other, you know, out of conference schools, especially on the road, then you're, you know, your RPI is never going to be what it should be. And, um, you know, the fact that we did go 12 weekends this year, now that we've finally gotten through it, yes, it will help us, you know, in the postseason. But uh, I don't think that's the case for a lot of people because they're just too banged up. Going into that selection, I guess, two weeks ago now, did you think that, that RPI would be as big of a deal this year? Were you surprised when, um, you know, most of those teams that were selected were top 20 in the RPI or so? Were you surprised by that? No, because there's no other way of doing it. I mean, that's why the whole reason the RPI is in there. And back in the day when they said, oh, well, you know, 
this is a COVID year and RPI is not going to be that much of a factor. I was, you know, the one saying, you know, BS on that. There, how else are you going to do it? I mean, there's not enough television coverage. There's not enough people that care about college baseball. So there's the eye test is out. How else are you going to do it? And sure enough, they just went right down the line of the RPI rankings. Uh, when it, you know, when this comes to this team, I think you guys have, you guys have came back a lot of times this year and, um, Saturday, I think was the fourth time this year that you've won a game where you entered the game, you know, entered the eighth inning trailing. Just what makes this team so resilient, I guess? Well, you, the leadership. I mean, they know that the way we're wired, we're a big inning club. And then you have Nelly and Elijah and Robbie and all those guys going up and down the dugout. Let's go. You know, we're not out of this. We're a big inning club. And somebody gets on, somebody, you know, gets a knock and then boom, we get three runs with a home run or a big double or whatever the case may be. Uh, we know we're never out of any games. I guess since the first um, road series at Virginia Tech, you guys have seemed pretty determined to be a really good um, away team this year and silence a lot of away crowds. Just, I guess, what makes, is it sort of the underdog mentality on the road or is it just the, you know, that's crowd silence or what is it about this team that makes them so good on the road? I think it again, goes back to the leadership, you know, the, the guys on the club, the Chase Haney's, and um, we've got, uh, just like everybody, an older group. And, and, you know, when you go on the road, it, it really brings you together, you know, because you don't have anybody else. Generally, the umpires, you know, side on the home team. That's human nature, you know. So you got that, fans. And, um, you know, Florida State's always going to get everybody's best shot. And our guys have been up for the challenge. And, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a long, difficult, you know, grind, but, our, our guys are you know, pretty uh, well galvanized. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more than together. You know, they've been through a lot. You like this, you've, you've praised the guys a lot for um, how they've been off the field this year and, you know, with the media before and just how important has that been in a year like this and, and how much have you enjoyed being around those guys and on road trips like this? Yeah, it, it really is. They're a very mature group and they enjoy being around each other. We had a putt-putt tournament last night that was absolutely hilarious uh they all get dressed up in different looks and they had their teams of four and a lot of bickering but a lot of laughing and uh you know it was it was fun so it's just one of those things that the more you're around them the more you appreciate them and i think they the more they appreciate each other and um from all different backgrounds and uh, but it's, it's really a fascinating you know thing to watch you know, I think I saw a video from Big Shooter on Twitter of Robbie making the last putt. It just for Robbie, a kid that's you know never really too hot or too low, just um, you know pretty quiet. What, what was it like to see him make that putt with with all of his teammates uh, going at him there? Yeah, there's a lot of question as to whether or not his pencil, you know, had an eraser on it or not. Because when you watch this putting stroke, it is not very pretty. And um, so for him to bear down when you know the game was on the lines. And uh, make the putt. I was impressed because I, I had my money against him. <laughs> uh, just, you know, I know you just said, um, speaking to the media, that Bryce is going to start Wednesday. Um, do you have a guy Friday or is it going to depend on the outcome um, of, of Wednesday of who you're going to start on Friday? No, it'll be Park. It'll be messy. Uh, we want to keep them in, in their normal day's rest. And that's, the you know, his time to go. So it'll be messy on Friday. Um, with Parker, just, you know, you know, last two starts haven't been, um, you know, the norm for him, I guess, is 
with Parker, is it just, you know, it's Parker and there's no worry or is, is it just, um, you know, coming off that back injury, is it something there? Is it just running into some hot, hot, hot offenses? Yeah, it's strictly that some bad luck, some hot offenses, and, uh, there's absolutely nothing, you know, to be concerned about with him. Um, you know, he gave up a windblown home run and, um, you know, that, that kind of stuff, again, it happens, it's everywhere, but, um, we're not concerned at all with, with Parker. When you have Parker on the mound on those Friday games or, um, you know, the Sunday games the last few days, do you feel like there's anybody more competitive in the country that, that you could have being your starter and, you know, that bulldog on the mound? No, <laughs> nobody I'd trade him for. And I mean that, what he brings in his energy and effort and everything that he is about. Um, he doesn't care about anything. He just wants to win. And he genuinely cares about his teammates and, He's a special, special guy. You know, obviously, Parker is, you know, the pitcher of the year, and, you know, he's been as good as anyone in the country. But when you have Bryce and you also have Connor and, you know, all these guys in the bullpen, do you feel like your staff is, is, sort, of, is sort of interchangeable and you feel like anybody can go on any given day? Yeah, we do. And, you know, you saw that on the Saturday game with us finishing the game with CK. And, you know, we don't, we don't care. It's, uh, they don't care. They don't care who gets the accolades. They don't care who gets the W. They just want to be productive and help their team win. And, um, you know, we've got so many guys that uh, – and I'm not concerned that we're going in without a closer, if you will. Sure, we can go to Anderson. We can go to Hare. We can go to Purdue. We can go to Kwiatkowski. It doesn't matter. There's there's tons of guys down there. And, um, you know, we're going to just, again, try, like we've said for a couple of years now, is to you know keep them sharp but also keep them fresh. I think I was talking to someone and I said, if there was a most, most improved player award, it, it'd probably go to Bryce and the ACC. It just, you know, what's been the biggest difference for him this year and how fun has it been to watch him throw on those Saturdays? Yeah. I mean, he just finally got to where he could, you know, do what he wanted to do as far as changing eye levels. And, you know, last year it was just up, 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 up. And, and that's all guys had to do was just start the bat head. And now he's making guys work their legs to go down and get low pitches and, um, you know, he's pitching inside better and he's got the change up and, you know, he's just gained a lot of confidence as we've gone along. You know, Matt won the um, ACC player of the year award yesterday. Just um, all the things he's done for you guys this year, you know, not just the homers, but the little things behind the plate and on the base pass. Could there be a better catcher? Is there a better catcher in the country in your opinion? No, there isn't. And I think we're going to see that. A lot of people are kind of in regards to the pro side of things, they're starting to, really take notice and, and look at numbers and watch the way he goes about his business and, um, you know, getting beat up. He's been, we've had more cross-ups this year and him taking shots to the thumb, to the chest, to the legs, to, um, you know, and then he'll still stand in there and take a hit by pitch. You know, most guys are like, I'm tired of that ball hitting me, you know, <laughs> get the heck out of the way. He's never shot away because he knows that's, that's winning baseball. Yeah. I've read some things online that about Nelly in the draft and, you know, he's given below average grades for athleticism and, and some other things. I guess, you know, we've seen him beat down grounders a lot this year. Just is there any do you feel like there's any tool that Nelly's missing? Do you feel like he's got the potential to be a five tool catcher at the next level? I sure do. You know, I, and the problem is a lot of this, the, the stigma and the, the numbers they put on guys, that's that's from years ago, you know, and they just for whatever reason don't want to change well because but make them be wrong. So therefore, they're just going to stay with it. And um, there's a lot of guys that were that way. But, you know, what he's done in the year he's had, and you really, really watch him, 
that's when you start to appreciate them, and, and they have. You know, Logan's come up with so many clutch hits in the last few weeks. Um, you know, on this podcast, we've kind of termed him as sort of the glue guy for this team and the things he does in the lineup and all the utility guys, all the utility he gives you guys. Just Is there one word or one way for you to describe him and all the things he's done for you guys? Valuable. You know, he's um, he can do anything and he does them all well. And he doesn't have that, you know, loser's mentality of, oh, well, I haven't been in center field in three weeks and I haven't played third or whatever the case may be. You know, he just says, let's go. And, um, you know, he's a throwback. He, um, he looks bad on pitches. And the next thing you know, he pops one. But he can, you know, get a bunt down. He can run. He can take the extra base. And uh, he's just extremely valuable. You know, Robbie was on that cold streak for a pretty long while. Just, um, you know, and he finally got a blooper to drop on, I think it was Thursday. Did you just feel like it was going to take a blooper, blooper, blooper to get him going, see something fall, and you feel like he's going to be – um, you know, the old Robbie Martin the next few weeks in, in postseason? Yeah, and I can't, I've, I've told him, anybody that will listen, he's really close. You know, you start looking at some of the swings that he's taken and, you know, he's hit some line drives right at people. You know, it's not as bad as it looks. And, um, you know, we're expecting him to, you know, be Robbie and, you know, really help us here the rest of the way. No, I remember, and, you know, in spring, I, I remember Dylan basically was almost impossible to get out in scrimmages and, you know, you go into the season and he kind of starts cold, but, you know, now he's starting to heat up again. Do you feel like he's going to start to be more of what um, or continue to be more of what you saw in spring in the preseason and what you expected him to be and what I we sure, saw last year? Yeah, I sure do. He's he's really the same sort of thing. The confidence you can see at Bruin, his batting practice has been much more professional and, um, you know, on point and things are starting to click for him. And, you know, when things are bad and, you know, it got worse and then we had to get him out of there, you know, but he was, again, a great teammate and, he, you know, just wants to win. And, and he's he's in every ball game and, you know, I'm glad to see him, you know, swinging the bat. With Jackson, I guess just could you find a better defender and, and to see him start to get going, um, just what has that meant to this team and, and to the guys in that dugout and for you in that third base box as well? Yeah, he's one of those guys that everybody loves. You know, he's real quiet. Um, he never pouts, never the woe is me, never gives up, you know, and all those things could have, you know, come to a head when things were really bad for him. And so now you see a guy having success and, um, you know, really putting together good ABs. It's um, it's refreshing to see. And again, the guys love it. And they kind of feed off of it. You know, when it comes to that bullpen, I know you've said all year that, you know, you, you haven't really defined roles and just because there's so many guys out there, I guess, Going into postseason play, where, where do you feel like you're at with that and who you want to use in certain situations? We're just, again, there isn't anybody getting cut out of the, of the mix. It, it's still going to be what we feel like is the best matchup. You know, we have all this information of, you know, what guys hit against certain pitches, what they hit against right-handers, left-handers, you know. So where you put all the pieces of the puzzle together and, and you've got an option you feel like that can – can handle that matchup, then we're going to go with it. And uh, sometimes it'll be a left-handed hitter and we'll bring in a right-handed pitcher. Why are we doing that? Well, look at his splits. He's got reverse splits and he really is susceptible to the changeup. So here comes, you know, Jack Anderson with his changeup or, um, you know, whoever it may be, you know, the guy has trouble with Velo. We've got all that information. So you know, here comes Hunter Purdue or Carson Montgomery or Davis Hare um, Wyatt Crowell, you know, there's just a lot of different things that we can do. So we're going to keep it the way it is. 
When it comes to Jack, how good has it been to see him move from sort of that long relief role into the back end and, and more of these high, le- high leverage situations where he can also give you um, some length in the back? Yeah, there, there's that, you know, you go from a 88, 89 guy, now all of a sudden it's 92, 93, pop you some fours, the fastball plays now. So therefore you can run him out because he's always had the breaking ball and the change up, but now he can get more critical outs because that's got a little more giddy up on the fastball. And it is good to see. It's great to see. That's, you know, hard work paying off. And, uh, you know, again, we'll use him in any sort of leverage situation we feel necessary. You know, when it comes to these fourth games that might be coming up here in regional and, um, you know, ACC tournament, is Carson still going to be that guy for you that is your fourth starter or is it going to be something that you guys play um, by ear and just how the games go? Yeah, it'll be a hot hand situation. Um, it could be Carson. It could be any number of them. You know, when they throw those bullpens, Jimmy does a great job. There's a, an intensity level and a focus level and, um, you know, he'll put them in different situations and scenarios. And this is what you got to execute this pitch. And it's all documented. And so, you know, that hot hand may not be seen by everybody in a, uh, you know, a baseball game setting, but it's in a bullpen. And, and that's just as good as anything, because again, with so many guys, you can't get them all in. So those bullpens become critical. And so we'll just wing it and figure it out as we go. When it comes to Carson, do you guys feel like the, the struggle with command is, is more mental or, or, or more mechanical right now? It started out as mechanical. He was late with his hands, breaking them, and um, then it kind of became more of a mental thing. So, um, But he's been really good the last two times in the pen, and um, you know, we're going to hopefully find a spot to get him in there and um, you know, just let it, let it play itself out. You know, looking ahead to tomorrow and the rest of the ACC tournament, I guess – you know, Duke, Duke's the only ACC team you guys haven't played so far this year. Just, just what do you know about them going in, into, the, uh, into the morning game tomorrow? Well, it's the same group, literally, uh, minus, you know, the right-handed pitcher that went in the first round, um, who was, by the way, by far the best guy we saw last year. Um, so it's the same club. You know, they can do a little bit of everything. They can get a bunt down. They'll take an extra base, get on dirt ball reads. Um, they don't walk you. Um, defense has always been a staple of their program, and, um, you know, nothing's changed. And, and I think they've won eight or nine in a row, and, you know, they're as hot as anybody in the country. And uh, we've got to play great baseball. You know, when it comes to Miami, obviously, you know pretty much what you're going to get there after facing them three times this year. But just how hard is it to beat a team four times in a row in one season? It's It's difficult, but that was such a long time ago that, uh, if you play four in a row, that's that's really difficult. But, you know, the fact that it's been such a long time and their team's different, our team's different, you know, it'll be a classic Florida State-Miami matchup. Um, when, you have, when you get Parker back on a Friday night there and, and what could be a, a situation to send you to the semifinals, just, and you know, you're playing Miami a rival too, just how much do you look forward to that game and, and what, what could happen here in Charlotte? Oh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, what we're all – shooting for and um you know to give ourselves a chance to win championships and put ourselves in a position but at the same time we've got to get better we got to do things that make sense and um regardless of who that opponent is we've got to play good baseball because it's we're you know this is what we consider june baseball and we love it this is our time of the year i think coming into the season you in preseason i guess you'd always said that the three things you guys were always most focused on were fielding base running and 
um, throwing strikes on the mound. Just, I guess, for, for a deep postseason run to happen, I guess, what are the keys for you? There they are, right there. You know, you're going to smother teams with defense or you're going to make them feel good about themselves because of lack of defense. And um, that's that's what championship teams do is they make you earn everything, and that's what we've got to do. And earn it means no free passes and, you know, kicking the ball around or throwing to the wrong base. It could be any number of things that, you know, make a team feel good about themselves. And, uh, you know, that you need on the, uh, at the plate and the guy's on the mound and, you know, doing things that make him uncomfortable. That's what we're all striving to do is to make each other uncomfortable when it comes to competition. All right. Thank you to meet and, uh, Brett on that as always. Uh, now let's talk about some ACC tournament. Um, I, I, I actually, I'll give you your chance to, to just kind of touch on things that you learned from that interview with meat, um, things that you thought were interesting, uh, and how, how Florida State will move forward in this postseason. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think meat was kind of worried all year about that RPI and that was pretty interesting to me. Um, the fact that he kind of thought that, you know, for sure that they would be using RPI. I mean, a lot of people thought that they wouldn't be using it. Um, you know, another thing is meat just really likes his club as a, as a, as a team off the field and, you know, the, the way the guys that he has and the leadership he has and a lot of that um, came back from obviously that extra year from losing last year. But, um, you know, I think he's really confident with, with what this team can do um, going down the line because of, you know, the schedule they played and um, the guys he has leadership wise and the way that they're able to stick together a lot. So um, I think he's looking forward to postseason play and really seeing the best version um, of his team and, you know, he loves those Matt Nelson guys. He loves Parker Messick. He loves all those leaders. He loves Chase. I mean, he's got a lot of guys that he likes on and off the field, I think. For sure. Uh, and as he gets a chance now to play in the ACC tournament, uh, his first time as a head coach in the ACC tournament, and it moves from Durham to Charlotte uh, at Truist Field. And, folks, if you're not familiar with it, uh, they're going to do it as there are four pods of three teams. Uh, Florida State just missed the cut of being one of those top four seeds. Uh, each team will play a round robin. Basically, you play the other opponent, um, the other two opponents in your pod, and whoever has the best record moves on to a single elimination tournament that starts with a, a semifinal championship game. If everybody ends one and one in your group, the seed automatically advances. And whether that's fair or not, uh, that can be debated, but that is the benefit of having one of those top four seeds. And I believe if I'm not miss, uh, I don't have it in front of me, Brett, but uh, Notre Dame is the one, uh, Georgia Tech two, uh, I believe it's NC State three and Miami four. And the four seed Miami Hurricanes is the pod that F was in with Duke. And so the Knowles will play uh, tomorrow uh, Wednesday, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, 11 a.m. So uh, nice and early, folks. If, if you're at work, uh, pop on. I think you can be able to watch. It seems like there have been some issues, at least through the first couple of games that started today, for people to watch on, uh, on Valley Sports or your regional sports network, um, whatever that may be called. So Knowles and Blue Devils, Brett, what do we need to know about the Blue Devils who apparently are red hot moving to the postseason? Yeah, like you said, they're red hot. Um, you know, this this team can really swing it. Uh, I'm looking at their numbers. There's a lot lot of bats here to like. Um, 
you know, got a couple of good arms here and, you know, they've got a few arms that have really good stuff as well. And, um, you know, they do a really good job of recruiting. They do a good job of recruiting out of Florida as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, you look up and down their lineup and, you know, top three or so you really like, you know, they've got some power bats as well, you know, got three guys with 12 or more homers, um, you know, Loper Fido and Shrek are two of the best, um, in the ACC, both those guys have 11 seals, both those guys, um, have sluggings, uh, slug percentages over 550. Both those guys have on base percentages above 450. Um, so this is a dangerous lineup you're going to get this week. I think, um, you know, like you said, they're red hot. I think they've won eight straight games or so, um, to put themselves back in contention for, um, the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Florida state's got two red hot teams, I think in their, in their, um, pod, but I think it's two matchups that you like. Um, you know, you've already beaten Miami three times this year. And, um, you know, I think you take your arms versus their bats and, um, you know, you get some of those home runs here at Truist Field. And, um, yeah, I think just, you know, you got to know that top three in the order of Duke are, are, are extremely potent, I think. Yeah, low Perfido, like you said, uh, can really swing it. 360 batting average, five homers, 24 RBIs. RJ Shrek, uh, 350 batting average, and he is their major power threat, 15 home runs and 46 RBIs. They got two other guys that can uh, really swing it uh, power-wise. Chris Crabtree has 12 home runs, 36 RBIs, and a 288 batting average. Uh, and Peter Matt has a 298 batting average, a same 300 hitter with 12 home runs and 36 guys. Uh, Brad, I look at this team, and I see a lot of the same names of the only ACC series I think Florida State got to play last year. If I remember correctly, um, that was in Durham. Um, Lo Profito was there. I remember Chase Cheek, Ethan Murray. Uh, he was red hot last year before the uh, season shut down due to COVID. Michael Rothenberg's her name. Um, he's got seven home runs this year, even if his average is down to about 243, which is low uh, for his career. Um, it's a Duke team that's, you know, uh, coached by a, a, a really good head coach. Um, a lot of people – think that that's one of the next stars in the industry. Um, and yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle because uh, Duke is playing really well right now. And um, the Knolls are going to have to be ready to play. So the blue devils are going with, um, I believe his name is Billy Seidel. Um, they're essentially as an opener. Uh, he doesn't really go more than two innings ever. Uh, he's got three the year. Uh, 675 ERA, 3-0, 15 appearances, 18 and two-thirds innings, 15 hits, 14 runs, all 14 earned, six walks to 24 strikeouts, batters hitting just 217. So Idol looks to have buff, and he's used in limited uh, in a limited capacity, Brett, which means uh, if his outing doesn't go well, that ERA obviously is going to go north. But it seems like he's been pitching well for them. And they're going to go with an opener. Uh, I think, you know, Nelly was telling you earlier today some of uh, what they expect out of Seidel. Yeah, it sounded like a big right-handed arm, um, you know, can run his fastball up a bit. But like you said, I would expect them to use him as an opener. Um, I think you could see either Jack Carey or Cooper Stinson come out of their bullpen, two of those guys that are their weekend guys. And, um, you know, I believe we saw both of those guys last year on the weekend, and both of them um, throw pretty hard from the right side. And, um, you know, I think they might be doing this so that Florida State, you know, doesn't isn't able to scout as much as as they'd like, not knowing exactly who they're going to get. Um, 
you know, I think Miami also is a TBA on Friday, but um, with Duke, you know, you've got some power arms here. Um, like you said, I mean, they literally have every, every single person back this year besides um, what's his name? Bryce Jarvis, who was absolutely ridiculous for a college arm. I mean, that was a basically professional arm throwing in college last year. And when he threw against Florida state, it was just, it was not nice uh, what he did, but um, you know, it, it's a good team and they've got some good arms, I think. Yeah, they're 28 and Brett, uh, winners of their last eight, as you mentioned, uh, they were 20 and 20. So now their record is similar to Florida state's on, as an overall record standpoint, 16 and 17 in the ACC, but back-to-back sweeps to end the year uh, for the Duke Blue Devils. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, I am really looking forward to this thing. Ball okay, not great. 967 as a defense. Ethan Murray has 33, uh, excuse me, 33, uh, 13 errors and a 933 uh, fielding percentage. Um, he has struggled a little bit for them in the field, uh, but Brett, yeah, the Knolls are going to have to play well. It's going to be a Duke team, and in postseason baseball, anything can happen. You're at a neutral park, and from the looks of it, at least today, uh, the ball is really flat of Truist Field. Yeah, I think the opening game, there was 10 homers, which was a new ACC tournament record, and 15-10 um, to 10 game. I think there's been two homers in this game, I believe, so far on the second game and um yeah i mean right field you've got 315 down the line and it sort of jets in as well um it's probably about 310 at one point in left field um you know most of left field's pretty short but you do i mean this, this is all right field actually um all right field that i'm talking about so right field is 315 jets in a bit to about 310 um you know pretty short all the way until you get to the the gap which is um jets out pretty quick and gets pretty deep in that corner but I mean, if you get a hold of a ball to either line down here, it's probably going to go out. Um, I believe it's 330 down a left field line and, um, you know, pretty straight wall as well. So, um, you know, and it's it's it's, it, it's crazy hot here and it's pretty dry and the baseball is really flying. And, you know, I was watching Florida State's BP today um, over at uh, UNC Charlotte and the ball was really dropped and jumping off their bats and both um, Nelly and Elijah Cabell and, Robbie, we're all going pretty deep out to, to right field. So, um, you know, I think they're going <clears> to <throat> attack these walls this week and um, do some damage with the, the bats power-wise for sure. Yeah, so Florida State will have Bryce Hubbard on the hill. Uh, Bryce will will go against the Blue Devils for the first time uh, season. And so uh, he is on, I believe, one day shorter rest than what he was last week. So the Noles will go with uh, Bryce Hubbard. And the Blue Devils will go with Billy Seidel, uh, a right-handed pitcher. That's 11 o'clock a.m. on Wednesday. So uh, the nine seed, the Blue Devils, taking on the five seed, Florida State Seminoles. All right, so then you get Thursday off, which is pretty unique. Uh, on Friday, the Noles will have Parker Messick on the bump going against the Miami Hurricanes, who their record right now is 20, uh, excuse me, uh, 20, uh, 32 and 17, they are 20 and 15 in the ACC. And uh, it's a Miami team that I, I don't think that you can really think back to a sweep. And other than feeling good about it and, and for morale and sentimental purposes, um, this is going to be a different ball game against the Miami Hurricanes. No doubt that the, the Canes will be 
amped for Florida State. There's no way they want to lose a fourth time in a sin to their rivals. That was one of the most embarrassing things that has happened to their program in, in a while, uh, especially in this series. Uh, and it's a Miami team that's playing better as of late. Yeah, and like we said um, in the preview before, before that series, I mean, it's it's a talented team, obviously. And, um, you know, a lot of their talent is freshmen. So those guys have probably come along a lot the last few weeks and the last few months since Florida State played them. And, um, you know, they've probably developed a lot into, you know, better arms and better bats. And, um, you know, lots of guys in this lineup that have good averages, good OPSs. Um, you know, you never want to, you know, give a give a cookie to Terrell or Castillo in this ballpark and um, Morales as well. And, um, you know, Kafis leads them with a 930. I mean, um, Del Castillo leads them with a 925 um, OPS. It's actually Christian Del Castillo. Um, you know, Adrian Del Castillo actually only has an 812 OPS, but, you know, he's always going to be the talented guy that he is. And, um, you know, like we saw it earlier this year, I mean, they've got some electric freshman arms, um, so, I mean, they, and they've only got to win one game. So, um, you know, they're going to give whoever wins that first game their best shot for sure. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking through this, and Miami's been uh, three series in a row. They just swept Louisville, who um, I, I don't know what to make of Louisville, who won today, I think, 15 to 10 over Clemson or something like that. It runs, but Louisville was awful to end the season. I mean, just awful. And uh, Miami swept them on the road in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, definitely not the same Cardinals team that FSU faced, uh, you know, about a, six weeks before. Because if FSU was playing Louisville now, uh, Louisville it was the form that they are in. FSU would sweep Louisville, uh, most likely. Louisville's awful offensively. Um, and we need to today when they hit uh, seven home runs. Miami beat them 6-1, to one, two thing, and 3-2. to two. So only giving up three total runs. On the weekend, um, matter of fact, I believe it's uh, looking through it. Uh, Miami's given up like four runs or less in like not last ten contests. So they're pitching at a much higher level. Uh, you might remember from that series um, that the Knolls played against the Canes. Every game seemingly was over by like the fourth or fifth inning. FSU was just kind of Miami to a point where the Canes really didn't have a chance to kind of grow themselves into the game. Um, they were already playing from behind the eight ball from the get-go. So I expect Miami to be ready to rock. Um, stats have changed since FSU and, the, and Miami played last time. The Canes are 32-17, and 17, so that's a better record than Florida State. They are the fourth seed in the ACC at 20-15 and 15, uh, in the conference. Uh, ironically, uh, Florida State might honestly have a top-four seed if you know, some of these teams didn't even play a full 36-game ACC schedule. So uh, clearly if Miami was 20-16 and 16 with FSU's 20-16, and 16, the Knowles would have had the head-to-head tie break and would have been uh, the four seed. So just the way things shook out, um, the Canes are led by Del Castillo, like you mentioned. Uh, Raymond Gill has kind of reemerged for them. Uh, Yehandi Morales is their big power bat with 10 home runs. Uh, Terrell just really hasn't been himself this year. Uh, just 264 with six home runs, but he can get hot at any point. It's an offense that's not very good, folks. Like, I, I think Parker Messick is going to be able to pitch to them. He's going to be able to hold them, I think. You know, this pitching staff should be able to hold me to five runs or less uh, in that contest on Friday, barring some some freaky stuff happening. So, um, yeah, Brett, uh, I don't know who they'll throw. It could be Rosario. 
Um, it could be uh, Medeiros. Those are the two. Those are two guys that FSU saw, and uh, Miami's put it to be announced. So they they can feel this thing out. Really, for them, a lot of scenarios work in their favor since they're the highest seed. Yeah, and, and my thing with this match is you've kind of got to do what you did, um, you know, at Miami, and it's not going to be, you know, as as the big you know the big numbers as there was there, but you've got to jump on Miami starters because that's kind of their weak spot um, rotational wise. Um, you know, obviously both those guys have really good stuff, but, um, they're young and, you know, they have been hit around this year and they have struggled with command a bit, but, um, you know, the bullpen for Miami is, is it's, there's a lot of really good arms. Um, you know, obviously Palmquist, the closer, I believe was first team ACC. Um, Spencer Bedanza also has a one, one seven year a Walters has a one, one four year a Jake Smith has a one Oh seven whip. Um, you know, Palmquist has, has a one three eight year and a six, two, um, a 0.62 whip, um, 13 saves. I mean, they've got a really good pen. Um, and, you know, if, if Florida State wins that first game and, and Miami doesn't have to worry about, you know, their Duke game, um, they can throw all their very best arms at Florida State as much as they want. Um, so Florida State's going to have to jump out early, I think. They're going to have to get a lead early and um, play clean de- defense against those guys. But like you said, I like this matchup for Parker. Um, there are a good bit of lefty bats in that Miami lineup. Um, so, um, obviously from what we've seen already this year, you like the matchup, but at the same time, Miami is definitely playing much better now than they, than they were then. For sure. And, and my just guess on this, Brett, um, just kind of baseball, you know, logic and thinking, I don't think Miami will throw any of the pitchers at Florida State's already seen from a starting perspective. Like, Actually, just looked while you were um, giving the breakdown. Means the the Hurricanes against Louisville started Jake Smith and Jake Garland behind Rosario. So Maderos and Fetterman, who FSU saw on Saturday and Sunday in the original series, uh, are no longer starting pitchers or having used as starting pitchers. Um, FSU hit Jake Smith pretty good in relief um, when he came in. I think he gave up four earned runs. Uh, Garland has been kind of their mid starter. And so I could see Miami trying a fresh arm. Uh, Garland has been really good for them, uh, especially as of late. And um, so maybe that's the uh, the arm that Miami opts to go against the Seminoles is, is Jake Garland. Um, but they could also to Jake Smith, who has been much better um, pitching out of the bullpen. Um, excuse me, pitching as a starter than he was out of the bullpen. Now two starts. So, um like you said, it's going to be the keys are going to be to play well early because Miami, I think, is going to be juiced and pumped to play this game. And we really won't know what that game means until FSU and Duke play because of the way that the, the seeding works and, and the tiebreakers work. But, um, yeah, Knowles and Canes, that is the 4-5 matchup on Friday at 3 o'clock. And, again, that's on Valley Sports, I think, for most people, or your regional sports network, wherever you may be. I think it's Nesson if you're in the Northeast. Um and I don't really know all of the different regional sports network names. I think it's all just Valley sports in the Southeast, but Brett, anything you want to add on this matchup Bulls and Canes uh, round two, I, I'm not really sure there's much to add other than just uh, you've beaten them three times like a drum. They're going to be ready to play. They're a good baseball team. Uh, just kind of have to, I think you have to dump that, that series out, right? Like you're playing for a chance to move on to a semifinal and that's it. Just make it four straight. That's my only 
Hey, only other comment on the Miami game. All right, Brett, anything you want to touch on before we wrap up this pod? All good. Congrats to Parker Messick and Matthew Nelson on their awards. No doubt about it. And uh, uh, thank you to Meet for joining us here uh, to chat on the uh, podcast as well. Soldiers, it's been a fun year. We've really enjoyed bringing this to you. The best time of year is upon us, and it's postseason based. Well, first from Charlotte and then wherever else Florida State is sent to for the regionals. Again, Wednesday, 11 a.m. against the 9 seed Duke Blue Devils. Friday at 3 o'clock against the Miami Hurricanes for a fourth time this season. Until Brett and I chat with you again, uh, Ario Masudi, Brett Nevitt, we thank you. Apple Pods, Google Pods, Spotify, email us, tweet at us, and uh, subscribe for our podcast. If you love, talk to you soon. Hopefully, is ACC champions on the other side.